Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, aka Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. That's pretty incredible. In fact, it's La Marvelous. Thank you guys. Okay, we're back. It is Friday, August 7th, recording this on Thursday, August 6th. My name is Jake Luke. And I'm joined by a familiar face. It is Mr. Kyle Phoenix Barber, the editor-in-chief of BaltimoreBeatdown.com, joining us here tonight. Kyle, how you doing, bud? Doing well, man. Moved into the new house, uh, getting the spare room set up, as you can tell. Have a little office room, so uh, excited to be here and being on the pod, bro. I do, uh, I do see what you got going on there, as can anyone who is watching this on YouTube right now. Remember, we stream these live to YouTube pretty much every single episode, but uh, I like the setup you got going in there. It's a little bare right now, but you did just move in. Got a lot of potential. I like what I see. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, got to get some stuff in the background. Got to get something put up on those shelves back there. Maybe some, some cool photos, uh, some, I don't know. We'll figure it out. You could do what uh, you could do what Jeff Passan for ESPN does. He has a disarmingly realistic picture in the background of like a uh, bookshelf that has like albums and stuff on it. I thought it was real for the longest time, as I think a lot of people did. But he recently revealed that it was actually just a. I wouldn't even say it's a green screen; it's just a picture. Maybe you could do something like that. Good strategy. I might do that the same way. How's everything? How's everything else going, man? Um been busy man working on school uh bartending at the new job um i'm i'm day to day with an ankle strain after uh i fell off the u-haul moving a bookshelf which was incredibly fun i can talk about that story if you really want to hear it but it ends with me being in an air cast anytime i'm leaving the house at this point for the next probably three to five weeks so you know my status is questionable you know you're talking to the wrong person here because of course i want to hear that story yeah. Okay. So we're moving this big bookshelf from my uh, girlfriend's house, um, and it's this, it's the, it's one of the few things that took two individuals to carry. And we were lugging this thing outside. And prior to us lugging this thing outside, there was a hornet's nest that we found at the front door. It was stuck up in like this little bell-shaped area thing, and uh, in the entire like three inches of the like nine-inch like deep little bell 
was a hornet's nest. So me and my friends sprayed it, cleaned it out. No problems, no worries. No wasps came after us. No hornets came after us. We moved it to the other side of the house. No issue. But some of the hornets came back to like come back home. And it was while we were moving this bookshelf. And one was trying to land in my ear about the entire time. And as I stepped onto the U-Haul, those little ramps that they have, I stepped at the very edge of it on the left side and came off of it and landed on the side of my foot. My ankle rolled with me carrying the bookshelf. And I was the one walking backwards. And uh, three of the people at least thought that I broke my ankle. They heard the pop. I felt the pop. Um, And it's an ankle that I injure probably every year playing basketball typically. But this time it was moving a bookshelf and I, I rolled it and shared with the my girlfriend's mother's uh neighborhood the cul-de-sac all the expletives that i knew at the time uh it was quite an enter uh quite an injury quite a fun event and uh now i got the swelling and the bruising to uh explain every single time while bartending anybody who sees the air cast on my ankle yeah that's a pretty wild story man you do got to be careful with those u-hauls uh, helped my brother move in recently, and he almost took a nasty spill out of one. So those ramps uh-huh. and you know walking out of them, there there's a lot going on there, a lot of nuance to it that you really got to uh, <laughs> you got to be aware of. Indeed, thanks for thanks for letting me know now, man. Yeah, well, you know, listen, if you had told me, obviously I would have been all over it. How's the new place? How would you rate it on a scale of uh, one to ten? Ten, ten. Oh my, uh, nine. We'll go with a nine. There's some, we, uh, we got to get the washer fixed. Uh, we were told that we were going to get a washer dryer and, uh, this washer is not operating. So we're pretty frustrated with it because it's been like six days of moving and sweating and working and I don't have any new clothes. So I'm like running bare on what's left. But other than that, I mean, I have a full back patio, uh, that's second level. Um, it, it extends enough to where we got the grill on there. We have full patio furniture, uh, have a full living room, a uh, master bedroom. This is the first time I've ever had a master bedroom and a bedroom that connects to the bathroom in the same room. Uh, you know, I always have to leave my bedroom to go to the bathroom across the hall or whatever. And this is the first time I haven't had to do that, which is wild to me. Uh, we got a walk-in closet, uh, got a roommate. He has the entire downstairs. I have a garage. That's a first in my life. I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like king of the world right now. You know, I'm, I'm getting all these, uh, amenities that i've never experienced before all this cool stuff with just my living space that uh, i get to enjoy for the first time it's been it's been really exciting and uh it, it's one of the few victories of 2020 that i will happily accept well i'm glad to hear it um so it sounds like the new house is good the old lady is happy well i shouldn't call her old but you know the, yeah, she's the, not old she's younger than me <laughs> well so am i the uh yeah. The lady friend is happy. Um, yeah, man. Yep. Sounds like everything's going good. Uh, ready to talk some Ravens football. Absolutely, I am. Awesome. So we've had a lot going on since we last recorded, or at least I did with Spencer. I had an interview show Monday with Dave Ruff from Wash Media. Mm-hmm. Really fun interview. Check that out. Um, so it's, I think it's been over a week since Spencer and I talked. Since then, the NFL Top 100 wrapped up. And uh, some things happened on it that some people were not especially happy about. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah. So Lamar Jackson taking the number one spot. I didn't really write down the numbers for the other guys, but you had, I think, Peters coming in, a few other dudes. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the main topic of discussion that Patrick Mahomes was number four, uh, Russell Wilson, number three, I believe Aaron Donald, two, and Lamar Demetrius Jackson Jr., number one. I Lamar deserves to be among 
the top two. Uh, you could argue three if you really wanted to, but you can't argue that Mahomes is the fourth best player in the NFL. Um, I think let's uh, you know let's just attack this directly. Patrick Mahomes is is either first or second in the NFL. I think the case can be made for Lamar Jackson to be the number one player on the list. I really do believe that. Um, and it's not just because I'm, you know, a Ravens fan and I cover them. He was the unanimous MVP of the 2019 season, the second to ever do it behind Brady. And that doesn't happen by accident. You don't vote for him just because he was uh, exciting and a little bit fun and had some good stats. No, he was an NFL record breaking machine. The offense was a record breaking machine and the team was incredibly dynamic. And that's what Lamar Jackson was. And I believe it's fair to say that he is either first or second in the NFL among the top players in the league. Patrick Mahomes, you can absolutely argue uh, is more deserving of number one, but I think they both have a case to be made for it. And regardless, Patrick Mahomes certainly isn't the third best in the NFL among quarterbacks with Russell Wilson being ahead of him. That's blatantly foolish and uh, can't wait for him to jot down the notes and uh, take revenge on the NFL and running it back. Patrick Mahomes is going to be scary in 2020. Yeah. I mean, weirdly I uh, had a little bit of a hunch that this was going to happen. I feel like there have been some controversial uh, numberings on these lists before in the past. um, Mm -hmm. And this year it kind of seemed ripe to happen with a very, Popular player, very millennial-friendly uh, player in Lamar. Not that Mahomes or Wilson aren't necessarily that, but uh, yeah, he just took the league by storm in terms of popularity this year, and uh, you know he played a, more teams than Mahomes did. So these players that are voting on it, and they they aggregate it like by their top twenty or something like that. It's kind of a little bit out of whack, uh, the whole thing. And like I said, it didn't totally surprise me. I think by any sort of logic or rationality, I think Wilson. And Mahomes are both better quarterbacks than him. But uh, as far as him taking the top player on the list, not something that I was overly overly surprised to see, overly upset to see either. I'm very happy for him. He seemed uh, pretty jacked up about it on the video that they cut together for him, holding the uh, the number one plaque or whatever it was that they handed him. I thought it was all, all very well done. Not something I'm going to mm-hmm. lose too much sleep over. Uh, the same thing cannot be said for our friends over at Arrowhead Pride. Oh my gosh, they literally said that they will no longer be covering the NFL Top 100 because Mahomes didn't get number one. Man, if if Lamar would have got four behind Donald and Wilson, I would have been upset. You know, I'd have been, you know, that'd have been an article. That'd have been an easy clickbait article for me. No problem. Wouldn't have had any issues with it. But to say that they're no longer covering it because of the disrespect and shade of uh of the Mahomes digs. And it's like it's too much. I think it was a little too much little uh little extra as we like to call i think it was come on we can't cover it anymore now that's that's weak and arrowhead pride isn't usually weak they're they're incredible content it's stuff that we you know at least i know i go to every day to see hey what article topics are they writing about what can i you know uh blend in and uh use in the same fashion for ravens related content and uh I certainly won't be doing, we won't be covering them anymore because Lamar got one or Lamar got four among the top players in the NFL, you know? But the disrespect was palpable. If he goes on and has another season like he had last year and let's say they win a Super Bowl and then he comes in at number four on the top 100 list, I feel like I'm just, the top 100 list is probably going to be the last thing I'm going to be concerned about as a fan, content creator, analyst, whatever you want to say. But, you know, oh, not to throw too much shade at them. Like you said, they do great work. 
Yeah, Arrowhead Pride is is renowned in the NFL community, as is uh, you know Bleeding Green Nation, Niners Nation. They, some of the best writing you could you could ask for is is on those on those big sites for SB Nation and uh, around the media NFL environment. But yeah, I I wouldn't care if uh, the Ravens won the Super Bowl and then Lamar got rated the number four quarterback. Uh, that's the number four player in the NFL. No, not going to happen. Not going to care. Let's we'll write about it and say it's silly and it's stupid, but I'll just take the clicks and go home. Yeah. It's something else, man. But uh, I guess that's enough NFL top 100 talk, unless you got some more takes you want to throw out there. Uh, Ronnie Stanley deserved to be far lower in the list. And I hate when we have to say lower or higher, he should have been rated a better top 100 player. I think Marlon Humphrey is a better player than Marcus Peters. I think they should have been flip-flopped at least. And uh, I thought it was surprising that Mark Andrews wasn't on the list at all. I figured he was going to be one of the players that was new to the scene. As we were informed, there was a couple of Ravens that have, haven't been on the list quite yet. But other than that, the Ravens have some incredible players. And it doesn't matter what their fellow peers vote, be it objective or subjective, the Ravens are going to go out and do work in 2020, and I can't wait to talk about it and watch it. If Justin Tucker is not on the list next year, I will not be covering this any longer. But moving on. Yep. Yeah, why didn't I think of that? Why? You know what? I busted my butt. I wrote a 2,800-word article about NFL kicking. That thing got less clicks than any Bubble Boy Lamar Jackson article, I bet, anywhere on the internet. It's cool. It's cool. Let's get, let's, you know what? You're right. Let's, let's be done with the 100, the top 100. <laughs> it's like the life of a special teamer. You're a special teams guy, but just in the blogging world, you're not getting the respect that you think you deserve. I'm not. I'm most certainly not. That's for sure. <laughs> so that's enough NFL top 100 slash special teams talk for now. Moving on. Ravens tight end spot in a little bit of flux. So they had picked up a uh, Jake Breland, a tight end out of Oregon uh, as an undrafted free agent. He cleared waivers on Thursday that they had sent him to uh, as I think they were like releasing him, but they wanted to get him back to IR. They didn't want another, another team to claim him that did not happen, thankfully. So he will go to Baltimore's IR, but they were looking for a third tight end to fill the spot in replacement of his injury. It looks like he wasn't going to be able to play much for 2020. Uh, so it looked like they were pursuing Jordan Reed. So really durable replacement that they were going after there uh, in Jordan Reed. Uh, not quite. They wind up signing Jarrell Adams to compete for that third spot behind Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle. Jarrell Adams, I think a four-year, five-year veteran at this point. He's played for the Giants, uh, Saints, and the Texans. Seen limited snaps. I think uh, you know 200 or so receiving yards, about 40 receptions on his career. A little bit of an intriguing prospect coming out of South Carolina. I think back in 2016, had a good Senior Bowl. I was tweeting out a video. Uh, that the PFF guys did down there, Collinsworth sliding in, and I think Mike Renner and a couple other guys were talking about him. So uh, intriguing athletically, hasn't done much in his career production-wise, but uh, I could see why they were interested in signing him to be the uh, third guy. I mean, he doesn't have any flashy stats, nothing exciting or excitable to write home about. I was far more excited in, in Breland and seeing what he could bring to the table, but, uh, you know, that's not what came about. Um, looking over his stats on... Pro Football Reference, as you know, I am a PFR guy. Uh, he's played in a total of 30 games. He's started in three. Uh, he has not started in a game since 2017. Um, he didn't play in 2018 either. Um, I don't know if that was injury or if he wasn't signed by anybody, but he only played one game for Houston in 2019. Last year, he didn't have any stats, and 2017 was the last time he had any stats in a year. 
He had 11 targets, caught eight balls, 92 yards, not bad for eight catches. And uh, nothing exciting really on the stat sheet. Maybe the Ravens can utilize him as the third tight end. But as we know, even when they have a third tight end, they're not heavily utilized. Uh, Hayden Hurst was the most quote-unquote utilized of the three tight ends because Nick Boyle has his job as a power run blocker who can also catch. Then you have the opposite effect of Mark Andrews, who is a receiving tight end who can block. Uh, We'll see what what this uh, Jarrell Adams gentleman is about. And uh, good luck to him making the roster. I'm intrigued by it, man. I remember uh, Chris Sims, who I'm a fan of. He was a big fan of his back in the 2016 draft. Uh, And yeah, those reports out of the Senior Bowl that he was a guy that was putting on a show. I think with tight ends sometimes, man, it just comes down to getting a shot. It's a position where production can come to a guy fairly easily, depending on the offense that he's in and, you know, the scheme that he's uh, a part of. And I think an offense like Romans that is very tight end friendly, like we've talked about in the past, he was really making some magic happen with uh, Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker back in San Francisco. We saw it happen last year with obviously the three-headed monster of Andrews, Hurst, and Boyle. I obviously don't see Jarrell Adams or maybe Charles Scarf, who's kind of the uh, odd man out at this point at tight end, or maybe not. Maybe you could flip him and Adams, but I feel like any one of those guys makes a team, they could do at least some stuff within this Roman offense. I feel like it's very tight end friendly, as we saw last year with all three of those guys having a good season. I think that's definitely fair to uh, to assume. I think I think Scarf is going to make the roster as of now. Um, he's been with the right the Ravens offense for at least a year. He's been working with the team for the year, and he didn't look bad in training camp last season. I know uh, both Vasilis and I, oh Vasili, and I uh, covered him rather well. Vasilis is how you say it. Vasilis, yeah. Vasilis the Vasilisk. Yeah. is that it? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Harry, oh, Mister <laughs> Mister Lerakos. Mm-hmm. is uh the man and he and i he and i both had good things to say about scarf when we watched him in camp last year uh he was actually somebody i was kind of looking forward to watching in uh, uh this year had covid19 ruined my bank account and uh, i can't pay to go out to the east coast if uh, i don't have a bank account to uh to utilize but uh yeah i mean scarf looked good in camp i as of now, we'll expect Scarf to be on the 53-man roster or part of the practice squad. I don't see Adams making it unless uh, he comes up with some good production that Scarf can't replicate uh, by already being ahead with the system and understanding the concepts and the ins and outs of Greg Roman's offense a little bit you know, more than Adams would stepping in like he is on day one hoping to get a shot. I'm with you, man. Spenny and I were there uh, a couple days last year as well with you guys. Standing outside the ropes, of course, were not as important. Uh, But yeah, watching him, uh, you know, kind of go after it with some of the lower level guys on the roster. He towered over them physically. Uh, I think he's got, you know, great build, 6'6", 250, was pretty dominant at Delaware, kind of similar to Nick Boyle, who was obviously a few years before him. But uh, yeah, I'm a a big Scarf fan. I think he could uh, make this roster and make some noises as that third tight end as well. I think that was a good point that you said to go back just a little bit, that tight end is a position about just getting a shot. I think a lot of times, you know, your name is so important in most skill positions, but I think tight end is one where if you can get a decent shot, if you have the size and speed and you have a lot of the, the, uh, the base, the tangibles, the, not the intangibles, but the tangible, you know, you have the skills there. Um, you can really, just make the most of it and uh, get some production going. And that can, that can take you a long way, but yeah, it's just about the initial shot at 
uh, tight end for that position specifically. That was a really good point. Yeah, and I think uh, it's one that's well made if you look at some of the tight ends in the league or some of the guys that line up at tight end. Like Blake Bell was like a quarterback for Oklahoma. He's made some plays in Andy Reid's offense. He got signed to San Fran this year. I think they're expecting some things out of him. So just having those tangibles, that athleticism, which is something that Scarf possesses, I think Adams possesses it to an extent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you're set up pretty well. Uh, we've got Leo Sala chiming in. Hello, Ravens fan from Mexico. Uh, hope you're doing well down south of the border. Love Mexico. Love to get down there someday. Uh, I really that- wanted to go do some trips this year. My girlfriend and I were planning on a bunch of that, uh, and that got cut short as well. Where were you going to go? Uh, we were going to go to Arizona for sure. We were going to either do Florida or Miami. Oh, Florida or Miami, excuse me. We were either going to go to Miami or Hawaii was the plan. We had a bunch of money saved, and I also had enough saved to go to, you know, do my training camp on the East Coast, go see my father, go watch some Baltimore Ravens play, you know, and uh, all of that got wiped out with travel restrictions. And I was out of work for a couple months. I'm grinding school at the same time. So. <sighs> okay it's okay we're gonna power through we're gonna power through we are soon man we're gonna be vaxxing out very soon yes god i hope so that'd be that'd be a dream that'd be i mean nice because i don't want to go to school right now uh i know i'm sidetracking here but they there i have some in-person classes coming up at csu this semester that's insane to me why can't it all be online i don't I'm okay with it being online. I don't want to go to school. I don't want to wear the mask. I don't want. I don't trust college kids to stay safe. My Snapchat store, you know, my Snapchat shows feeds of other people certainly not being safe, certainly not staying home. And on top of that, my girlfriend's sister just had twins on Friday, twins. which was incredibly exciting. Um, so, and we, we're helping babysit the one-year-old in the meantime. So it's been uh, it's been stressful, and I've been staying home. The only time I go out is is when I'm bartending, rocking the mask, making people margaritas and cocktails, and then I'm coming home and showering and taking care and uh, being safe. So my dream is that other people will also follow suit, but with people coming to the restaurant, it's clear that is not what is happening. Yeah, man, you never know what's going to happen with people, and uh, you really can't trust them. Unfortunately, that could, that really does suck that you have to go do in-person classes when I think it's been made fairly clear that at least for college, like a lot of it could be done online. I think there's a lot to gain out of a in-person college experience, but for somebody like you, who's just trying to, you know, grind it out and get it done, I feel like, you know, online should be much more of a readily available option. Yeah, that's what I was pursuing. I was trying to get some of my last classes scheduled earlier today, in fact, because I had some financial aid stuff that I had to take care of. So um, got that all taken care of, got it squared away, was scheduling the last of my classes for the semester. And it was just mind blowing to see it's like, hey, you have two or three classes that may be face to face this semester. It's leaning towards being face to face. And I was like, I don't I don't want to do this. I don't want to go to class. And it's not because I'm lazy. It's because I don't want to contract a virus from other stupid college kids. Uh, it's not because I'm lazy. We're going to get you a hazmat suit and uh, you'll be just fine. You'll be sitting there all right. in the all yellow Walter White uh, hazmat suit. And you'll, you'll, you'll just be doing your learning that way. I would 100% go to class in a hazmat suit if uh, Baltimore beatdown fans and podcast fans wanted to throw a Kickstarter for that. <laughs> We'll get that put up. We'll get that put up very shortly. But uh, moving on from the tight end spot and Hassuits, uh, Ravens have also waived last year's fifth-round pick defensive tackle Dalen Mack, designated center Matt Skura to open the camp on the active PUP list. So a couple of transactions there as camp opens up. 
unsurprised by the Dalen Mack move. We expected it once the Ravens, I believe, drafted two defensive tackles in the 2019 NFL draft. And you knew right away when you're signing multiple defensive tackles or defensive ends, such as Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf is a D-end sub package kind of guy. Uh, you got two drafted players. You got some people waiting behind them as well. You got Brandon Williams there. Uh, if Dalen Mack isn't making the leap forward, he's certainly not going to be hanging around for long. You know they're not scared to cut these guys. We saw Willie Henry get cut last year, and, and many expected him to be a surefire player on the roster. So if uh, if they're not scared to get rid of those guys, they're certainly not scared of getting rid of uh, Dalen Mack, who wasn't contributing a lot, unlike Willie Henry was in years in seasons prior. So um, good luck to Dalen Mack. He's got the name to be a great defensive tackle and a defensive player. Nothing like having the Mack truck on on a roster, but uh, good luck to him. And and that's exciting, most importantly, about seeing Matt Skura back on the roster, seeing his name on there. Uh, you know, he had to come back from a, a terrible knee injury, and he's been grinding all offseason. We've seen those small clips of him getting back in the weight room, you know, doing some squats, doing some workouts, rehabbing, and it's been successful enough to where he's, uh, you know, he's, he's going to be on the active pup list. Yeah, I think Mac claimed by Detroit already, correct? Maybe I'll have to look that up. I haven't uh, checked that out, but good he, luck to him there. Yeah, but he, uh, you know, intriguing guy. I, I had some high hopes for him as well as a very physical fifth-round pick. I thought uh, he was a dude that had some promise, but it's like I wrote in the blog when I wrote it up. Uh, just kind of a victim of the logjam, the numbers game at this point. Mm-hmm. Ty goes to the rookie, and there's probably no reason to think that Project Washington or Justin Matabuke couldn't do what he does or be a little bit better. Uh, at some point down the road. So I think uh, Ty goes to both rookies in this case, as well as uh, Justin Ellis, who they brought back, made some other investments along the uh, defensive line there with Calais, Cialis Campbell, uh, you know, Derek Wolf coming in. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of beef along that defensive line, and he is just the odd man out in this case. If Calais ever hears you calling him Cialis uh, and he can get a hold of you, I don't think your existence will last long on this earth. I think he'd... Okay, first of all, there's definitely that is not the first time he's heard that in his life. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the people that called him that lived to tell the tale of it though. I don't know, man. Have he seems seen like uh, he seems like a gentle giant to me. Don't you get those vibes? I don't think quarterbacks in the NFL would agree with you on just Calais. Yeah, well, good thing I'm a shitty athlete. I didn't get to be a quarterback. Is that what you were trying to get me to say? Cuz you you succeeded. Thank you. <laughs> I just I have no intention of ever disrespecting any NFL player. It's not disrespect. To, he, it's not gonna be him. It's not disrespect. He gets a lot okay. of flow okay. going to the defensive line. He, uh, you know, he gets the, all the defense standing up, erect and at attention and ready to go. He's just he's gonna be a leader along this T line. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> You're super poignant on that. I love it. All right. Okay. Fair so enough. that's enough on uh, Dalen Mack and pills that men take in certain situations. Yeah, I suppose it is. Okay. <laughs> so camp is opening up. Nice little transition there by me. Ravens held their media day. Yep. I wrote down, Willie Sneed dropped weight to add speed. Hollywood mm-hmm. Brown gained weight to adjust to NFL physicality. Mark Ingram believes year 10 could be his best. Never heard that before. J.K. Dobbins thinks he and Ingram will have a great older brother, younger brother relationship like me and you. Uh, Lamar Jackson is still talking Super Bowl. He and Hollywood Brown both continue to endorse the idea of Antonio coming, Antonio Brown coming to Baltimore, uh, the free agent receiver that was just suspended for the first eight weeks of 2020, which is sick. 
Uh, Ravens reportedly still a team to watch for him. Anything catching your your ear out of those uh, those tidbits? Um, I think it's the first eight games of 2020. So like he has to be signed onto a team and then miss the first eight games, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Auto- I, or is it just automatic eight weeks? I think it's eight games. I think like when you miss, you know, when you're suspended for eight games, it's like when you're signed on a team, you have to hit it. But I'm not certain on that. Uh, you know, I think it is though, but like I said, uncertain. Uh, more importantly though, uh, Hollywood Brown, man, adding all that muscle, and he's still going to be just as fast. I think Garrett Downing recently posted that he already eclipsed his fastest speed in camp on his first day. And he's and Hollywood said that he wasn't even going his fastest. You know, he's not trying his hardest. He's not going full tilt yet, which is an absolutely exciting and intriguing thing to consider. Um, you know, hopefully he can dethrone the highly praised Tyreek Hill for fastest player in the NFL and he can shred some players like he did, you know, in week one of, of his rookie season where he, his first two catches went for touchdowns back to back. That was absolutely wild. Um, as for Snead, I think that was a little interesting that he dropped some weight. I liked him where he was. He was making tough catches, uh, but maybe if he's faster, he doesn't have to make as difficult of catches. I think he's placed in a role within the offense that he's called upon in tough situations though. And I'd much rather have him have the strength over the agility and speed, but prove me wrong. Willie Sneed, you've been the man so far and I have no reason to doubt that player's ability so far. I think he just cut the hair and cut about five pounds and that's he's going to be faster just from the lack of wind resistance and the weight more than anything. What do we think about a uh, Sneed for speed as a t-shirt? Uh, I'm all for it. Is, is that better than the need for Sneed? So, or should we do? Well, I so it's kind of a double entendre, right? Because he's trying to add speed here, and his name is Sneed. Sneed. Damn, I wish I would have thought of that. Just something to think Uh, about. (laughs) Sneed kill, Sneed thrills, Sneed kills. Shout out to Harbaugh's shirt last camp. Yep, yep. I think that's a good one as well. I like your first one though more. If we're gonna, if you're gonna have me pinned to one, I'll I'll take the first one over that. That's pretty solid. Okay. Um, Justin Tucker. He is a top 100 player. You know, he needs to he needs to be mentioned in as many segments as possible, obviously. But um, anything else that I catch my I thought, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to bring in when I was a part of a couple of the Zoom pressers uh, last week or not this to week. brag. I can't quite remember not to brag. <laughs> yes, I'm in Zoom pressers. But uh, Steve Saunders, you know, praised Hollywood, talked about how amazing he was. He finally got it. He understood what was required to become a better player and a better athlete and a Raven. And he's changed his diet. He's, he's fully rehabbed on his foot, on the uh, the screws that are in that that were in there. And um, he's just grinding to get better. Um, but you know what I asked? Um, you might be able to clip that audio in here, maybe not. But I, you know, I was able to ask: Did any other players like come to camp as as Hollywood did? You know, added this this weight. You know, did nothing but meal plans, dieting. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it here that I think it was a kind of kind of a cop out answer by Saunders. He said he couldn't necessarily think of anybody off the top of his head that put in the same work that Hollywood did. Um, I think. He, but previously, he did talk about how DJ Fluger came in amazing shape and, and cut a bunch of weight so he could step in for the Ravens and, and, and show his, his seriousness and uh, dedication to joining the, the Baltimore franchise. But still, Saunders said 
oh, everybody came in and everybody's got it, at least on some level. So Hollywood's made the most sacrifices or put in the most dedicated effort of any Raven in the 2019, well, the 2020 off season. So look for him to just blow up this year. I really expect him to akin to what, uh, Spencer always talks about, you know, he's the one that watches all the all the videos, all the clips, and he's super hyped about him. And I'm expecting great things out of Hollywood this year. Yeah, there was that really funny joke going around about uh, how he went into the offseason at 157 pounds and then he came out at 180 pounds and everyone was like, same. It's like a fat joke, like they're talking about how they're getting fat and he's actually getting muscular. Yeah, he's he looks jacked now, man. Like I remember seeing him the first day of twenty, you know, first day of camp last year, and I was like, "That's that guy's a little tiny." Like I'm I'm not a big dude. I'm five eleven. I didn't even hit the six foot mark, and I'm like one eighty five, but not a good one eighty five. And seeing Hollywood add, you know, come in at one hundred eighty pounds this year, he's gonna be jacked. He's gonna be a the mighty mouse, and he's gonna shred defenses with strength, with speed, his agility. He's he's lightning quick, as we know. It's gonna be so much fun as a Ravens fan and uh, uh, journalist to cover what's in store for the twenty twenty season for Hollywood Brown. Yeah, man, I've been uh, riding that train since pretty much the beginning of the off season. I'm thinking, you know, little eighty for eleven hundred and nine for Hollywood this season. I think Spenny has jumped on that train. Hopefully, we can. Get you onto that one as well. Uh, and last bit of news that we wanted to touch on here, didn't write this down, but came out just before we started recording, is the Steve Smith, Lamar Jackson, little sit-down they had. Yeah, that was really cool to watch. Uh, that just popped up on the on the YouTube channel for the Baltimore Ravens. <coughs> Excuse me. But uh, the thing that I took away from it was, was most importantly two things. One, uh, not so serious, is that he talked about this he, – he, shed tears for the first time uh, seeing his face and seeing him on the cover of Madden. He talked about how he didn't cry when he won his Heisman trophy. He didn't cry when he won league MVP or all the other accolades. But when he saw his, when he saw himself on the Madden cover, he shed some tears. And uh, I think that would, you know, that's so many kids dream is to uh, be on Madden, but it's also so many kids dream to, to win NFL MVP or the Heisman Trophy, but those ones didn't matter. They paled in comparison to just being on the cover of the video game that that so many kids love and, and play every year, year on and year out. I thought that was pretty cool. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty awesome. Um, two of, I would say, my favorite players in recent Ravens history. Uh, always had a soft spot, spot for Smitty when he was in Carolina, was over the moon when he came here, and did just about as well as he could as a player in a Ravens uniform. So I think it's cool to see that he still has a pretty good connection with the uh, organization. He's coming through here uh, a lot, pretty much whenever he can, uh, mostly Mm -hmm. with NFL Network duties, but I think even sometimes he'll he'll just kind of roll through for a charity event or something like that, which is great. And uh, the fact that he's able to kind of sit down and have a little chat with Lamar, I think it was about a five-minute video, uh, so you got to assume the chat was a little bit longer than that, and they seem to have a good rapport, so you like to see that a lot. And Lamar's answers were very cool. I think the whole Madden cover thing was... Pretty awesome to be so candid about something like that. And he has uh, talked in the past about how not crying is a big thing for him. His mm-hmm. mom told him not to cry when I believe he found out his father and his grandmother passed away on the same day. And uh, he didn't, which better man than I, because I probably uh, would shed a few tears in that situation. Uh, video of Hollywood Brown getting drafted was hilarious because he's screaming at the TV and yelling, don't cry, Hollywood. So big deal for him not to cry, and uh, he cried at the Madden cover coming out, as did a lot of other people because they thought it was ugly, which I don't agree with. I don't agree with it at all. I think the Madden cover looks awesome. I think it looks really cool, honestly. Um, I'm going to have to save up some money 
and uh, and score that. I think it's. I think I only am gonna purchase new Maddens when the Ravens either win a Super Bowl or a player is on the cover at this point because I got I got thirteen and that was uh, it was year that they ended up winning it and Ray Lewis was the intro video right before then and then uh, I got to get this one with Lamar and hopefully. In the next five years, Hollywood Brown makes the cover, and then we'll be able to to buy that one, or Mark Andrews, or or Marlon Humphrey. You know, have a sweet cornerback defensive prospect on there. Maybe he wins something huge, and uh, we can have him on as the uh, cover. I'll have to buy that one too. There's a whole lot of players we could we could celebrate. Patrick Queen. You know, maybe we get maybe we get a bunch of players just on there, rocking Ravens and uh, and a bunch of Maddens and uh, all that free exposure for us to maybe grow as a, as a brand. That'd be pretty nice. But the other thing that I noticed from the interview was they were Lamar was really candid about saying they overlooked uh, the Titans. You know, they peaked ahead. And right. uh, that's what Smith asked. He said, what, what was the biggest lesson that you learned uh, from the 2019 season? And he said, don't peek ahead. Don't look ahead. Well, you know, we were two games from getting into the Super Bowl. And uh, we were we were so focused on winning a Super Bowl that we forgot a little bit, just a little bit that you they didn't uh, – they didn't look at their opponent or take them as seriously as they should have. You know, they've been steamrolling teams all year. They won what twelve straight games, and uh, it's hard not to look ahead when your offense is clicking like that and your defense is clicking like that. But uh, I thought that was really candid of them. You know, uh, Harbaugh is vehemently disagreed with them, <laughs> saying that they looked ahead or didn't care enough about their their opponent, and they were they were too focused on on the ultimate prize that they didn't focus on what they had to get to it. But um, I thought that was really candid and, and uh, it's not as talked about maybe because, you know, Lamar kind of already said it, but that was, that was blatantly stated and it's a video of him talking about it specifically. So I figured that was, um, I thought that was intriguing. Yeah. It's nice to hear in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously the Titans were a great team, very talented. They had some big yeah. wins even in the regular season leading up to that. They took out the Patriots, but it's nice to just hear like, yeah, you know what? They're a great team. We're probably better, and we just overlooked them, and we lost. Like, it doesn't always have to be like, oh, you know, they're a great team. Uh, but, you know, let's let's cut yeah. the coach speak for a minute. You guys, you overlooked this one, and you lost it, and it's yeah. still on you. Yep, for sure. That was definitely what happened. Along with them, I you know, I never really believed that rust was a factor, but when you're winning 12 straight games, and, you, and the starters won 11 straight because most of them didn't play in week seven, week 17 or game 16. And so they missed that entire week. They missed the week after because that's the bye week. And then they come in on nearly 20, 21 days of rest. And you got to go up against one of the other hottest teams in the NFL at that time, the Tennessee Titans, who were bulldozing through teams. And they just beat the new England Patriots and nobody thought they could do that. And then they went, Oh no, they can't. Well, they surely can't beat the Ravens. The Ravens know more than anybody that you can go into the playoffs and ruin everybody's expectations on which teams are good enough to be beaten and which ones aren't. (laughs) They kind of had that coming as a franchise collectively, didn't they? Yeah, a little bit. bit. You you hate to see that truly. Uh, So I guess that's all we got on news. Ready to jump into the two topics that we have. Absolutely. Cool. So first one is ESPN's Bill Barnwell had an article. Always uh, good to hear from Bill on this kind of stuff. He had an article talking about teams with players that have a chance to make the Hall of Fame. So he split it up into tiers, it looks like, of likely, in the running, and has work to do. He lists Earl Thomas as likely, Lamar Jackson, Marcus Peters, and Justin Tucker as in the running. Try to stay with me here. Uh, And he closes out the list with Mark Ingram, Calais, Campbell, 
And uh, Ronnie Stanley has guys with work to do. Uh, let's go down the list a little bit. So Earl Thomas, shoe in. Yeah, I don't see how he doesn't get into the into the Hall of Fame at this point. He was the main cog in the one of the most legendary uh, defenses of the of the decade, uh, the Legion of Boom. They went to a Super Bowl. They nearly won two Super Bowls, and Earl Thomas undoubtedly was the main cog that operated that defense. He allowed Richard Sherman to play such serious uh, man coverage and cheat super hard and press cover every play and uh, play so aggressively. He allowed Bobby Wagner to freewheel. He allowed Cam Chancellor more than anybody to just run up to the line of scrimmage and blow up any play that happened to come his way or any tight end, Vernon Davis, who happened to come his way. And, uh, and they had some pass rushers that operated well within the system, but the main cog of that defense is a strong free safety. The Ravens know exactly what that's like, having Ed Reed as one of, if not the most dominant, he is the most dominant free safety in NFL history, and, and it's exciting to see that he's one with the Ravens now too. But, yeah, he's got to be in the, in the Hall of Fame by this point. He's just adding to his stat totals to ensure that he gets, uh, he gets in on the first try instead of on the second, third, or fourth is really where I'm at with that. Uh, Lamar Jackson, absolutely in the running. You know, you win uh, NFL MVP in your second season. You break NFL records time and time again. I think he's got to have like seven or eight NFL records. I know he has a bunch of franchise records, but he's already cashing in game after game, week after week with uh, with playmaking production. And he's only going to go up from here. And with the Ravens' commitment to the offense itself, he's, he's most certainly going to be um, in the running for uh, Hall of Fame. Who are the other ones on there? So you've got Peters and Tucker as in the running – Mark Ingram, Calais Campbell, Ronnie Stanley, work to do. All right, what do you think of Marcus Peters and Justin Tucker? What, what do you think about their odds? What do you think? What do you, what do you have to say about that? I weirdly like Tucker more than Peters, not to trigger you. Um, it just feels like a kicker getting in is obviously not something that happens too often. You had Ray Guy as a punter go in however many years mm-hmm. ago. Um, I feel like Vinatieri's going to get in definitely, so I think if Tucker just stays on this track – Definitely going in. I think Peters is probably going to need to get a ring, weirdly, for a cornerback. That's not something you would hear very often, but being a part of a championship team and being a big part of one, I think, would help him in terms of media friendliness, I think, because he's a guy who's kind of been a little bit prickly with the media sometimes. Don't really need to get into that. Um, That's a good word for it, prickly. But just keep, yeah, just keep making the plays, keep scoring touchdowns, keep, you know, doing the flashy things maybe capitalize and grab yourself a ring over the course of the next decade. And yeah, Mm. maybe you are going to be going in there. and then as for the guys with work to do, so I feel like Calais Campbell, if he gets a ring, I'd probably put him strongly in the running. I think mm-hmm. Ronnie Stanley is in the running, but he just needs more reps. He needs more time. And uh, as far as Mark Ingram, I'm probably a little more lukewarm on him, even than just you know work to do. I think uh, running back, it's kind of hard. But uh, yeah, maybe a ring for him as well, and he, he'll be within the conversation. Yeah, I think Ingram, you know, he's had in, he's had some great NFL production, but is it really fair to say that, you know, it's so tough with running backs because you need to be you need to be all class. You need to be so literal Hall of Fame worthy to be in the Hall of Fame for running backs. You know, some other players like quarterbacks, uh, you have some great production year in and year out and you're you're arguably in it, but running backs you have to be a legendary name and is Mark Ingram a legendary name? It doesn't feel as much uh, possible right now. I don't have the stats pulled up. I'm more interested in uh, Calais Campbell. I think he absolutely deserves it. He's at 88 sacks in his career. He has nearly 700 tackles, but 
The thing where he's short on is uh, all pro nominations. He only has three total. Two of them are second team. One of them first team. Uh, he did win a defensive player of the year, though, which is super important with uh, with defensive tackles in, in that area. He has a Walter Payton Man of the Year award, and I think that does count for something in the Hall of Fame voting. Um, it doesn't make him a better or worse player, but it does help your reputation with the Hall of Fame, and I think that does play a component in the voting itself. Uh, he needs a championship, though, to uh, to guarantee it at this point, though. Which is why I was kind of surprised to see him on the with work to do thing. I would have expected mm -hmm. him to be more in the running. But yeah. uh, I don't know. Bill certainly seems to know what he's talking about. So maybe he's on to something there. He is one of the smarter individuals among NFL media. So uh, Barnwell's got some good points to be made. But I'd like to I'd like to see why he uh, had. I didn't get to read that article, um, unfortunately. But I think that's uh you can make the argument that he has work to do. I mean, he doesn't have a hundred sacks. Um, he only has 14 forced fumbles, um, but he's got three defensive touchdowns, which certainly counts for something in this, especially as a defensive end slash defensive tackle. You know, he's an interior defender. He's not on the edge. Like, uh, like all these pass rushers, he's an interior pass rusher. And I think that alone speaks volumes to 88 NFL sacks. That's crazy amount of production for sure. Anything else on this? Um, Justin Tucker needs to be a first ballot if he continues with what he's done. I don't think people understand it. I wrote, I'm now I'm doing the plug now. Is that cool? Can I do the plug now? You can plug Fun anything time. you want anytime. All right. So let's, uh, picking crown 2020. So for everybody that doesn't know on this podcast for some strange reason by now, uh, my most, uh, focused on article every single year is called the kicking crown. I compare the best kickers in the NFL and I do a full statistical breakdown on why they, the, the best of the best are the best of the best. And it is a little bit lean towards the best kicker in NFL history, uh, in accuracy and just an overall, uh, production alone, Justin Tucker. Um, no, he doesn't have the accolades of other people like Adam Vinatieri, as you mentioned, or Goskowski necessarily, but he is, uh, the only kicker in the NFL right now with over 90% accuracy in field goal percentage. Not only is he doing it from, uh, the better than anybody, he's doing it from more significant distances. He's, uh, he's an incredible kicker. And I think it's it's aggravating that year after year we see these top 100 NFL players and and the best kicker in NFL history isn't even among them because of the value of uh, kickers isn't uh, well thought out among other people. But so real quick, his average attempted kick distance is from 39 yards out. Uh, you know, he his career average completion is from 37. That's the highest in the NFL. Um, his career average miss distance is over 50 yards. So Tucker on average is missing only kicks from 50 yards out. And it's not only just 50, it's 51.7. No other kicker in the NFL is that far. And nobody's in the 50 yard club either. His completion accuracy is insane. Um, his outdoor accuracy is 90% or higher. No other kickers in the 90% club in the outdoor accuracy. AFC North uh, outdoor accuracy. Yeah, that's it's it's wild. Like throw him in a dome, and I, I think I wrote that it was the first sentence in here was, let Tucker kick in a dome and watch him shatter records he's already making. You know, he's already setting all these records. If he was in a dome, if he was playing for New Orleans like Will Lutz is, he would 
abuse these records he'd be at 95 percent accuracy i honestly do believe that and if he wasn't forced to make these wild 61 yard kicks in baltimore or um in cleveland or pittsburgh it'd be insanity what he's doing but uh that he he's really on pace to be in uh in the hall of fame he has a championship he was a significant reason for that championship as well kicking that double ot winner in denver in in below zero temperatures uh as an undrafted kicker on as a rookie you know i think i think his story needs to be well documented for a for a case to be made as a as a hall of famer his his uh play has been out so you can't ask for anybody better in his position ever nobody has nobody's been better on no other show and with no other person are you getting kicking analysis quite like that thanks man <laughs> listen up peter king and whoever else is voting for the hall of fame at this point uh but yeah okay so is that all we have for hall of fame slash kicking hall of fame talk yeah yeah i'll i'll I'll, uh, I'll end it there go check out the 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 article it's the kicking crown 2020 comparing the best nfl kickers in it you'll see links to uh the previous uh articles it's an annual series so uh, i always do it right before the season starts but yeah that's everything for that for that part of the uh discussion on this podcast good stuff i love it man uh last thing we had you brought a little discussion topic to the table higher expectations for the ravens offense versus the ravens defense why don't you start us off all right um higher expectations i actually think it's a little bit of a split here and i'm gonna i'm gonna break it down a little bit is uh i think the offense has higher expectations because they broke the NFL record. And so people won't expect nearly that production. But um, the the retirement of Marshall Yonda is going to throw a wrench into things. I firmly believe that. I think the loss of a, a perennial all-pro guard who deserves being in the Hall of Fame or in the Hall of Fame discussion. No, not a first ballot maybe. But you know he absolutely deserves to wear a gold jacket at some point of uh, in his lifetime. Um I think the loss of him, though Orlando Brown Jr. has done nothing but step in and, and make some big plays lately, uh, I think that running game is going to take a bigger step back than a lot of people anticipate. Um, I'm really worried that it's just going to be like, oh, God, the NFL's figured out Lamar Jackson in this in this Ravens offense. But um, I'm praying that we don't see those articles and uh, that the production continues. So I think the expectation is higher for the Ravens offense than uh, the Ravens defense. Do you agree or disagree? First of all, I got to clear something up. Aaron asks you, Jake equals great value Baker Mayfield. Oh, I got to see this comment. Come on. Great value Baker. I wouldn't put you great value Baker. I don't think I look like him at all. I have a beard. I don't think so either. Baker Mayfield. I strongly disagree with that one. That's not a take. That, that's that's not a take. That's not even a Logan Levy take, man. That's that's a rough. That's one hotter there. than that. That's hotter. That's spicier. No yeah. way. No way. I'm sorry for that, man. You don't deserve that. That's a mega tough scene for me. I'm throwing off my my kilter here a little bit. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Okay, higher expectations for offense or defense? Yeah, I think uh, nationally. It's probably going to be the offense, but like you mentioned, I think the Yonda thing throws a little bit of a spanner in the works there. Um, it's going to be interesting seeing them acclimate to that because it's a lot of young guys along that line too. Obviously, we talked about Skura coming off that injury on the PUP list right now. Mm-hmm. Um, tackle is obviously still a strength. 
love both of those guys and what they bring to the table. But uh, O-line, there's going to be some fluctuation. So uh, I think as far as the offense, like I said, national you know, attention is going to be heaped upon them for what they did last year. But I think there's probably going to be some slight drop off. I'm pretty jazzed about the defense, though, man. All the mm-hmm. you know additions they made, Wolf and Campbell, they went out and they hit a lot of doubles, if not triples. And uh, I just like it, man. I think Queen is uh, has a chance to be a home run pick there in the first round, especially the way that he fits into this Wink Martindale defense. They sneaky just made a lot of additions to it, and it was already really good, uh, maybe even undervalued for how good it was last season, and uh, pumped to see what they can do moving forward. Yeah, I was uh I was on somebody's uh, Twitch stream last night. They uh, you were twitching. A comment. Uh, I was uh, I was on somebody else's Twitch stream, so uh, I haven't been on my stream in a while. But they were asking me some football questions, and I decided to hop in the Discord and answer some things. And that that was a question that they brought up. What has a what are you expecting to have better production? Was their question offense or defense instead of uh, who has higher expectations? I wanted to throw a little bit of my own twist on it. But um, like you said, the Ravens' defense looks. Like they should shut teams down to fewer than 17 points every single game. You know, you don't expect them to give up more than two touchdowns in a game. Um, you don't expect teams to cross midfield all that much with a defense pack like them. And I went through it. I think it's worth going through again. But if you look at the defense and you look at the players in the positions, and this is barring zero injuries, which uh, is very uncommon in the NFL, but the Ravens have been particularly healthy since Steve Saunders has really uh, developed the strength and conditioning program for the players. But free safety, you have multi-all-pro, multi-pro bowl, and Super Bowl champion Earl Thomas. Uh, beside him is Chuck Clark, who was one of the higher graded safeties by pro football focus. Once he stepped into the starting role and far superior to Tony Jefferson, if we're going to be calling balls and strikes, balls and strikes, uh, at cornerback one and two, you have two all pro players from last season rejoining the roster, uh, at cornerback three and cornerback four. You have Jimmy Smith and Tavon young, who are both excellent players. At inside linebacker, you got a first-round draft pick, Patrick Queen. You got a third-round draft pick in Malik Harrison. Both of them are expected to do well. You don't have to put too high of expectations on them because the rest of the roster is stacked. We have, well, the Ravens have Matt Judon at outside linebacker. Next to them is, well, next to him is going to be Clayus Campbell, multi-all-pro, multi-pro bowl, defensive player of the year. You know, he's he's a superhuman. And then you have Brandon Williams. You got Derek Wolf. And then the only other big question mark on defense is that second outside linebacker spot, be it Jalen Ferguson, Tyus Bowser, Pernell McPhee maybe. Uh, maybe you get Jihad Ward back to standing up. Uh, but overall, this roster is loaded with talent, which e- alleviates pressure from Queen and Harrison while knowing full well there's there, that's so many playmakers. That's so many names and household names. Um, and not just Ravens household names, but like NFL household names that are on the roster right now. And I think this defense is is going to be higher in production than the offense is, and, and it'll help both of them because the defense will get off the field faster, which helps the offense get more tries and so on and so forth. You know how um, it's got a yin and a yang to it, but this, this uh, defense is – I have fucking high hopes for it in 2020. Yeah, man, me too. Uh, just all the additions, the fact that they were able to retain Martindale, which is not something that was a slam dunk, I think, uh, this past offseason. Uh, it's got me pretty jazzed up, so I'm right there with you. I have higher expectations for the defense. I think nationally, 
offense expectations are going to be high. Uh, but ultimately, I think some people are going to be right for a little bit of a letdown in that category. But regardless, pretty high expectations for both. The defense a little bit higher for me. I think that's fair. Um, I'm going to jump to I, uh, I was able to ask Mark Ingram the question about how important it was to because uh, he mentioned that it was awesome that they kept both offensive and defensive coordinator, even though he only plays as a running back. But he talked about how much he loved having Wink there and uh, and Greg or Giro. And so I was able to ask what about how awesome it is to have the continuity and all these playmakers back that he was praising. And he said it was it was enormous to have both of those guys back, both OC and DC. And uh, and Ravens fans are obviously celebrating the fact that Martindale's back and he's got even more playmakers and uh, and better and more high octane additions than we've seen in this defense uh, over the last few years for sure. Definitely. Is that all we got, bud? I think that's it for today. All right. Well, that was really fun. Appreciate you hopping on with me. A little bit impromptu here. Went almost an hour. So that is going to be a good one for the folks on Friday. Where can the people find you on the social medias? On social media, uh, we're going to go with Twitter first. It's at BB underscore Kyle P. Barber. Um, Facebook, please follow our Baltimore Beatdown Facebook page on twitter also follow at podcast beatdown love the work that jake and spencer do and i have just so much praise for these two guys and what they've done with this podcast so uh take it from uh their boss uh so to speak that uh you should follow these guys on on social media and uh please more than anything subscribe to the youtube channel uh these guys have uh we're live streaming it i could see my strange face on the camera right now and and on youtube so following that and subscribing to it is a big help uh, liking those videos all the generic comments smash the subscribe button please whatever works uh What's support up, these guys because they've done some incredible work and uh they've really taken flight with with this podcast and uh you've done a great job man for sure well, I appreciate that very much, Ben. I wasn't expecting to get fluffed here on a Thursday evening, but I will always kindly take it. Uh, once again, that is at Jake Luke, L-O-U-Q-U-E, and at Podcast Beatdown, where you can follow me and the show. Uh, follow Kyle at BB underscore Kyle P. Barber, like he just said. And uh, yeah, like he said, keep checking out that YouTube page. I'm going to try to refine it a little bit more. I know I've only been posting the live streams, uh, but hopefully going to get some upgrades going to the streaming platform that we're using here soon. And uh, just keep working with those uh, Adobe tools that I have and try to uh, put together some more high-quality stuff for you guys. But uh, in the meantime, I hope this episode was high-quality for everyone. And uh, we will check you guys on the other side of the weekend. Peace out. Peace. All right, thanks a lot. Appreciate you guys. See you later. All right, and God bless. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs>